In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is found on our monitors, and I'd like for us to uh, read it together if we would. But after Joseph considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She shall give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. People of God, people whose faith is in Christ Jesus, the Savior of the world. One of the joys that expectant parents very often have is choosing a name for their child. And uh, they want to make sure and select the proper name, the good name, not only that it sounds well, but hopefully that it has some kind of meaning and uh, that it's very appropriate for this little one and maybe kind of uh, sets the tone of what they're expecting and hoping for this child. I remember Jane and I going through this particular process uh, when she was pregnant with our first uh, firstborn. We didn't know if God was going to bless us with a, uh, a daughter or a son. And so, uh, uh, but Jane was very adamant that she wanted to make sure it had names chosen before the child arrived. And so she bought several books of names, a book of names for the boys, a book of names for the girls, put them in the glove compartment of our car, our old 52 Chevy. So anytime that we were going, whether we we're going to the grocery store or on a longer trip, Jane would reach into the glove compartment, pull out one of the books, and start reading names. Now, Jane is very methodical. She likes to reflect on things. And so Jane would get out the book, and she'd start with the A's. And she'd, you know, read the first name, the origin of the name, the meaning of the name, reflect about it and how it sounds, and then go and repeat the process with the next name on the list. Her methodology was definitely meditation and reflection. By the time we got to the L's, I decided I was going to be a man of action and we're going to get this thing taken care of very quickly. And so while I was driving down the road with my focus like this, I told Jane, hold the book of names up in front of her. She did, and I just pushed the papers back and forth, the pages back and forth, and it went plop. First name, Hezekiah. <laughs> Same process. We went through it, flipped the pages back and forth, plop, Harold. Hezekiah Harold Kirchhoff. That was going to be the name. Well, Jane sat there for a moment, and after that experience, she would not allow me to get within arm's reach of that book. She slid all the way across to the passenger side of the car and said, let me see, I think that we are at Leroy. <laughs> and just continued down through the list. And nothing against Hezekiah, godly, one of the godly kings in the Old Testament. Nothing against Harold. Uh, we've had some excellent friends named Harold. Fortunately, our firstborn's name was Paul, was given the name Paul. We'd always leaned that direction for the Apostle Paul and also my father whose name was Paul. Now it's interesting to me to note that when it came to the birth of the Savior of the world, Mary and Joseph were never given the privilege 
to choose the name for this child. Uh, they weren't even given the privilege of going through a list of possible names. The child that is born in Bethlehem has a number of different names, but each and every one of them was carefully selected by his heavenly father, by his heavenly father. Each name was carefully selected, no willy-nilly finger-plopping methodology involved. And so the angel Gabriel clearly announces to the father's selection when he tells Mary, you name him Jesus. The angel comes to Joseph and says, you are to give him the name of Jesus. Proclaim his name, his name is Jesus. Let's say it together. Proclaim his name, his name is Jesus. Okay. Now, 2,000 years ago, the name Jesus was the most popular name that was given to Jewish boys. It was the most popular name among Jewish boys. And the reason for that is because the name Jesus was a name that didn't just sound good, it was a name that was filled with meaning. The Old Testament name would be Joshua. Aramaic would be Yeshua. Greek would be Jesus. Each of those, even though they're in various languages, have the same meaning. Yahweh, God Almighty, saves. Yahweh, God Almighty, saves. So most of our, so very many of the Jewish boys 2,000 years ago were given the name of Jesus because it was a name that carried a message that was actually a plea, a prayer. And it was basically, was, uh, every time a Jewish mother would call out in the neighborhood and say, Jesus, come home, it's time to come home for dinner. When they would hear the name Jesus, the rest of the people would think a prayer. God, save us. God, save us. But when the father gives the one born in Bethlehem stable the name of Jesus, it's not a plea. It's not a prayer. It's a promise. The message now becomes Yahweh will save. The God Almighty is saving. You see, it's a name that was deliberately chosen and chosen for very good reasons. Now, hostages. Pictures here of some of the hostages that are still being held. Prisoners of war. Many of the news, much of the news we've heard the past week comes from that particular part of the world is about the hostages and the exchange of hostages. And the stories that are being brought by those who have been held hostage are similar to those that flowed out from the prisoners of war during World War II and also Korea and uh, Vietnam. They're the kind of stories that we would label as horrible or stories that we should label as never should have happened, never should have happened. And now thankfully the news reports of several, uh, of several weeks ago <clears throat> talk about approximately 300 people, hostages, who had been set free. Now, it was very important to understand the hostages were not set free by their own action. The hostages were set free by the actions of others who had fought for them, who had negotiated, who had sacrificed, all in order 
to give them freedom. Now it's very difficult for me to even understand or begin to comprehend what it must be like to be held as a hostage in a situation like this. And especially the day that you're given freedom. Where when you're standing over here, you're a hostage. You walk to the other side of the stage and you're set free. You're free. You're free. What a tremendous difference occurs in those particular steps. And I think one word to describe it is the word saved. I can imagine the hostage going across the stage to where he is free and saying, I am saved. I have been saved. Now, a man in the United States was practicing his golf game and he was inside a comfortable uh, golf facility and there was a TV monitor that was going on um, and on the TV monitor it was talking about the situation of the hostages that were being held. And so um, when he uh, was looking at that then, uh, the man went to the manager of the facility finally and he demanded that the channel be changed to something that was less serious. And this was his explanation. The news is interrupting my golf swing. The news is interrupting my golf swing. Proclaim his name. His name is Jesus. Yahweh saves. Now I'm not sure what sports God plays in heaven, but I'm sure that God the Father did not send his son Jesus to come into this world to help us with our golf swings. I'm absolutely positive that when God the Heavenly Father sent his son and gave him the name Savior, he wasn't sending him here so to save us a few strokes off of our golf game. That's not it. And yet that is so often how we treat Jesus. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Here's a to-do list of all the things that I want him to save me from. And we have these particular to-do lists and very, very often they're really not that important. They're not that important. You see, when God comes to us and sends his son Jesus to save us, <clears throat> the father's interest is hostages. The father's interest, that's his major concern. He sent his son, his son Jesus, to set hostages free. He sent his son Jesus to live up to his name, to save, to deliver, to deliver us from the terrorists. And what are those terrorists? The terrorists of our sin and our guilt. The terrorists of the fear of death. The terrorists of Satan himself. We don't need a God whose only interest is improving our golf scores. We need a God who has the power and the love to free us from our hostage situation. Can you imagine what it must have been like for the families of those who had members, loved ones held hostage, for them to stand there and look down the hallway waiting and suddenly coming into the view is their loved one who had been held hostage. 
I can't imagine the joy that they must have experienced. They probably were jumping up and down, tears of joy just streaming down their faces. Their loved ones who had been hostage were now free. They were now free. When we see the picture and the images of the people who are in the, being held hostage, it's a good reminder we are the ones who are held hostage. And we are now the ones who have been set free by the one who lives up to his name. Jesus, God Almighty, who saves. God who gives his life for us and rescues us. When I watch some of those hostages walk across that area and be reunited with their families, I was so thankful that they were set free. But I also began to wonder what lay ahead for them. They were free, but they will still experience nightmares. They will still have memories that will terrify them. They will still have times because that will carry them back and make it so hard and difficult for them to live. Experiences that threaten to make them hostages again, to throw them back in a hostage situation. Now the same is true for us as hostages who have been set free by the power of Christ Jesus. As free hostages, we will still continue to experience the harsh realities of a broken world. We continue to experience the realities of loved ones who are suffering and we can't do anything for them. Or the experience of uh, loved ones who have been taken from us so that they are no longer with us in this life. Or the realities of our sinful actions that have hurt others and the guilt and the trash that we continue to carry. But in spite of all of these harsh realities, God continues to give us an even greater reality. And that greater reality is freedom in the name of the Son, Jesus, who saves us. He is Jesus, the one who guarantees freedom from the worst enemies. No longer are we held hostage by our sin, our guilt, because we have freedom through the one the only one who can provide us with the forgiveness that we need. No longer are we held hostage by the power of death because freedom is given to us in the one who is the resurrection and the life. But I still find myself, even though I am a freed hostage, I still find myself with the nightmares that would carry me back and put me in that jail cell. There are times when I'm overwhelmed perhaps with my the guilt that I have done. And I feel like I'm almost going back into that jail cell again. But this is a picture that I have whenever that is threatening to happen to me. I picture myself as being overwhelmed as I'm overwhelmed with this guilt and I'm walking toward the jail cell and suddenly Jesus stands in front of it and he says, hey, you don't belong here. This is not your place. This isn't where you belong. I have set you free from that. Where you belong is out there walking with me, surrounded by my forgiveness, empowered by my forgiveness to forgive others.
Now Jesus the Savior has also conquered the power of death for us by his resurrection. And in that powerful action of his resurrection, he has walked, not, he not only he walked out of the tomb, he walks me out of that tomb and out of that prison that has held me hostage. But my fears, my nightmares about death try to throw me back into that hostage cell, back into that tomb. But Jesus stands at the door of the tomb and says, this is not where you belong. This is not where you belong. You're free from this. You belong with me for all eternity in my presence. And that's why we proclaim the name. We proclaim the names that God the Father has given to his Son. We proclaim the name of Jesus, God who saves, God who brings freedom to hostages. So people of God, fellow hostages who have been set free, to us is given the privilege to proclaim his name, the name Jesus. I was a hostage, but now God the Savior has set me free. I continue to carry the scars of the enemy that the enemy has inflicted upon me, but I am free. I am free. I am free because Jesus lives up to the name that the Father has given him. And so may God the Holy Spirit give us the power to live then as ones whom our Savior has set free so that other hostages too may be set free from the worst enemies of all. We beg this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the name of Jesus, God who saves.